Welcome to Follow Your Kind Podcast, a show where we explore the meaning of kindness and how we can express it in our daily lives. My name is Christina and I'm your host. Here we have another episode of Follow Your Kind podcast, where I interview in season one my local Atlanta heroes. And today on the show, we have Lori Clark, uh, an amazing, super energetic friend of mine who I first met at the, the first Peapod conference that I went to. And of course, we had to go a thousand miles away uh, to get introduced to each other, both being or currently residing in Atlanta. Um, and that's just how things work out. So um, I'm very excited that uh, today I have Lori on my podcast. Hi, Lori. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And uh, I remember how we met. You were so sweet. You were teaching Zumba uh, at the uh, PIPA that was 2017, right? 2018, right? Yeah. Now? Yeah. So it was PIPA uh, in 2017 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And you were teaching Zumba class. And I went to, to your Zumba class. And it was really, really fun and really, really awesome. But the most exciting part for me was that I uh, just recently got certified as a work instructor at that point. And I just wanted to teach one song. And I did not have any hope that, uh, that I will be able to, but you said yes, which I was totally surprised. And you let me teach this one song at the end of the class. And it was like the highlight of my, of my trip. Oh, you're sweet. Well, I always love to have other instructors co-teach with me, especially if you're brand new. Right. Well, I, I don't know if I ever did. I think I did, but I wanted to say thank you for that again, because it was definitely an encouragement that I actually ended up teaching a class this time at PPOD, uh, at PPOD 2018. You was... did such an amazing job. It was great. I enjoyed your the song that you taught. Oh, oh good. Thank you. Okay. Well, uh, Lori, will you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're coming from and uh, what you currently do? Sure. Um, I currently uh, teach in Peachtree City, Georgia, and I'm a personal trainer. And I also teach, like you said, Zuma classes. I teach weight training classes. I still teach step aerobics. Step is not dead, even though some people <laughs> think it is. Back from the 80s, we are keeping it alive on the south side. We're still doing step aerobics. Um, I teach cycling classes and I also teach Pilates and yoga, but my, my two greatest loves are Zumba and yoga for sure. So that is awesome. That is what I do. Yeah. And it, it really, every time I see your either posts or, uh, if, if we uh, talk about something, it always seems like you're getting another certification or you're conquering another, another mountain, not necessarily a mountain, but another technique in a workout. So it's just really cool to continuously see you always improving and continuously learning. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I made a commitment to myself. Um, when I got certified 18 years ago, that every year I was going to try to do at least one new thing to add to my talents and my knowledge base, because this is something that I truly love to do. I love getting people excited about fitness. I know a lot of people, you know, they really don't like coming to the gym. They find it difficult. 
but I like to make it an atmosphere that people can enjoy it. They can feel successful. And maybe even if they can't like exercise, they can at least enjoy the company and the atmosphere and they can feel like they are successful. And so the more I can do to uh, polish my skills and to increase my knowledge base, you know, I can better serve other people. And I just, I really love people. And I know that we're each here put, for, put here for a different purpose. You know, we all have different interests and different talents, but the bottom line is none of us are going to be successful at anything we do if we are not healthy. And that all goes back to fitness, but it also goes back more than even fitness, you know, and exercise is nutrition. And that's, you know, how you and I came together is because we are really interested in whole foods, plant-based nutrition. And I really try to um, hit that message home to people that, you know, it's really important that you, you're coming to the gym. I'm really proud of you. But when you're in here, you're tearing muscle down. And it's so important that you give your body the, the best raw materials to work with to build those muscles back up. So I just, I really love what I do. And so every, I'm always looking for, you know, what's new, what everybody's interested in and what I'm interested in so that I can learn more and do more and just keep moving forward. That is so amazing. And I definitely want to talk about nutrition in just a second, but I want to pl put a plug in quickly on, on the exercise and fitness side of it as well. And I read, uh, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation before the podcast, uh, that I read your story on your website, which is really cool, by the way, at lauriclarkfitness.com. And I read your story there about your love for fitness and kind of about how you came to, uh, to teaching. And if you, when I met you, when I first saw you teaching, I mean, you just seem like so in your element and when you look at your pictures you're just so fit and full of energy so it was really surprising for me to learn that there was a point in your life as you mentioned that you were actually I, I don't know if you're actually overweight but you you definitely mentioned that you had some extra weight that you were trying to get rid of and you struggled her, yourself to kind of muster up the courage to stand in front of the class and to teach a class and and then uh, hear me coming and looking at you from the side and it just seems like you've been doing it for a lifetime so would you mind just sharing just a little bit on that because I think that that is so important not only your passion for exercise but also as you mentioned the passion for and love for the people and I think it is because of the combination of the two you're able to to spread that loving energy and supportive energy and teach the classes with the success that you do Sure. Um, yeah, I've always been into fitness and just always been a gym rat. I was a cheerleader in high school and I taught myself gymnastics. Um, and then I got married pretty young. And um, as you read on my bio, I've had six kids. And it wasn't until um, after I had a few children that um, and I had always exercised and was able to lose um, the extra weight until um, I had my fourth child. And our fourth child, I was very sick throughout the pregnancy, and um, she was a stillbirth. So we went full term, gave birth to an eight-pound, six-ounce baby, and she had died. And um, I had a lot of complications during that, got really sick after that, and um, the weight just was not coming off. And of course, you know, us being in 
into nutrition and into wellness, you know, looking back on it now, I think a lot of my problem with not being able to lose that weight was because I just had so many toxins in my body. Um, they had given me, you know, so many drugs to try to keep me alive. And, and um, so I had get, I didn't lose all the weight from that pregnancy. And my doctor said, you know, as soon as you're ready, if you want to have another, and I wanted to have a big family, I always knew I was going to have six kids. And, you know, as scary as it was, um, I got pregnant again, but I had not lost. And previously, I'd been able to lose all the baby weight um, Mm -hmm. between my children. But after this one, you know, with everything that was going on, I was actually working out twice a day and eating as well as I knew how at the time. You know, I was only about 26. And, um, I was eating as well as I knew how, and uh, like I said, working out twice a day and the weight was just not coming off and I get pregnant again. And at that point, you know, my husband was, um, pampering me so much. He didn't want me to have to cook or anything. And so, um, we would go out to eat almost every night because he didn't want me to have to cook dinner. So of course, you know, eating out every day. Mm-hmm. And so I had not taken off the previous pregnant, all of the previous pregnancy weight. And then I gained more weight than I had ever gained with any of my children. So at five, one and a half, in fact, when I would go to the doctor and get on the scale, the nurses would, would laugh at me because I would turn my back to the scale and I would tell them, don't tell me how much I weigh. I do not want to know how much I weigh. And Toward the end of the pregnancy, when it's time for you to, almost time for you to go to the hospital, what they do is they make a copy of your chart to send with you so that when you go into labor, you can take your chart to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, they were doing that, and I looked over, and I accidentally saw my weight, and it was 198. And for somebody who's five, one and a half, that should be about two people for me, you know. And I was, um, and then I still had another week or so to go. And I had this, my first baby boy, I'd had four girls and I had this big, healthy baby boy, you know, and, um, I was still sitting after that, you know, the, the initial weight that came off, you know, 20 something pounds. And I was still sitting at 175, 177 pounds. And, um, then I got back into the gym and my first goal was, um, to be able to do a sprint in cycle class without feeling everything jiggle from my waist all the way down, you know, because that was just not me. I had always been a really fit person Mm -hmm. and I thought I'm, you know, I'm going to get my fitness level back up there. And I just fell in love. This was 2002 and I just really, um, I don't know, this was uh, 1999. My son was about a year old and uh, I really got into um, cycling class and I thought, I would really love to teach this. And um, so I started looking at the credentials of all the instructors. Their, you know, pictures were on the wall and uh, to find out how I could do this. And I knew I needed to become a group fitness instructor. But before that, I had done, um, this is way before your time, Tina. (laughs) ESPN used to have a fitness show um, called Body Shaping. And they had people on there that did step aerobics and they, they did weights and everything like that. So I had, I had been lifting weights, you know, since like 1992 and learning all that, uh, the lingo and all the different mm-hmm. muscles and had always really been into that. And going back to the gym reawakened that love, you know, and as I would go to other classes, um, 
I knew the muscle groups. I knew the exercises to train the muscle groups. And if the instructor said something wrong, I knew it. And a little voice inside my head said, you should be teaching this class. Why aren't you teaching this class? I love it. And so, <laughs> and I knew it was true. I knew that deep in my heart that that's what I should be doing. And um, I don't know if you've ever read any of Dr. Wayne Dyer's material or listened to any of his. Oh, he is amazing. You know, I have all of his books and I love to listen to him in the car. And um, anyway, he was one of my favorites. And I was lying on the couch watching one of his PBS specials <laughs> during that same time. And he was talking about, you know, following your heart and doing what you were meant to do. And he was encouraging those who were listening that, you know, even if it's just one little thing in the direction, you know, just a small step in the direction of uh, your dreams and what you know you should be doing. And so I went online and I found out, okay, what do I need to do to be a group fitness instructor? And one of the first things was you had to be um, CPR certified before you could take the exam. So I scheduled my CPR certification. I ordered all my books and everything to study for my exam. So I was, you know, and I made the commitment. I had um, paid my money. And actually, my certification was in Riverdale, Georgia in 2000. So it was it was a combination of all those things, you know, being healthy and then being unhealthy and, you know, going back to the gym and watching Dr. Dyer and he was so encouraging and um, there's been, you know, no looking back after that, after I got my certification in 2000, that's when I committed that each year I was going to do something different and learn something more so that, you know, I could keep growing. That is an so. amazing story. That is so cool. <laughs> and I, I, and I think, I hope you give yourself credit for that because I do think, and I hear a lot of people who have a lot of great ideas and they're passionate about something today, but then oftentimes it doesn't last or maybe their fear overtakes, you know, their faith and they're not taking the next step necessary to pursue that. So I think it's so amazing that not only you made that initial jump, that initial commitment, but that through the 18 years, of this commitment you carried through and here you are still getting all these new certifications. And you also mentioned that you're about to become a, a personal a health coach, correct? Yes. I'm taking that exam at the end of this month. So this year I did um, behavior change specialist. Last year was a senior fitness specialist because I do work, love working with the senior population. Um, before that was Zumba, uh, Zumba Strong was a couple of years ago, and uh, Zumba Toning, that was a nerve-wracking thing was to get my Zumba license because um, I, you know, you, huh, you, you do something for a while, and you push yourself, and you push yourself, and, and sometimes you can get to a point, I had gotten to a point where I had been doing things every year. But then I started to get a little bit stagnant and I wasn't growing like I should be anymore. And I was taking Zumba classes and I loved it. And it was the same little voice that said, what are you doing on the back row? You need to be teaching this class. You love Zumba. You need to be teaching it. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. And, um, and I was in my 40s. And I was thinking, oh, gosh, seriously, I'm going to go get a Zumba license at 40, whatever it was, you know. And um, so I paid my money and had the date set, and I chickened out. And then about a year or so later, paid my money, 
had the, you know, date set, chickened out again. Because I was just letting those negative voices say, you know, who are you? You don't have a dance background. You never took dance when you were growing up. You know, my parents couldn't afford to do things like that. If I learned to do anything, it was teach yourself, you know, and there was no YouTube back in the day Mm -hmm. to learn how to do all these things. I had to, in order to learn gymnastics move, I watched Mary Lou Retton on television and I got books from the library to learn how to do a back handspring, you know, in my little cheerleading routine. Um, But finally, a good sense, common sense came back to me. And I thought, you know what, this is ridiculous, Lori. Um, You've got to do this. You don't need to be in the back of the class. You need to be in the front of the class. And um, so I went on the Zumba website again to sign up for the third time. (laughs) And the funny thing, this time it was actually going to be hosted on my birthday. And I took it as a sign. It's like, okay, this is your birthday present to yourself that you're going to prove that, you know, I think it was, I think I was turning 43 that year. And okay, 43 is not too old. And part of it too is, you know, I love the dance. um, But I also love the aspect of Zumba that you have to memorize your choreography, you have to, and at the same time, you have to anticipate, you have to watch your students, and you have to be able to cue it as you're doing it. So Mm -hmm. not only is it physical, it's a mental exercise. And so Um, I like that aspect of it too. So I go to the workshop that day and there are people of all ages, shapes and sizes. And I thought, you big silly goose, what (laughs) in the world were you afraid of? You know, and it was all about, like you said, you look at people and you can tell they have a passion for what they do. And I'm looking around this room and there were men and women in there old enough to be my parents. And I thought, what in the world was I afraid of? This is about loving what you do and loving those people that you serve. That's what it's all about. And I go to a Zumba convention in Orlando, and um, it's just the most fun because you see people from all walks of life. And they're there because they love to dance and they love to teach other people to dance. You may not be the best dancer in the room. But you were there to teach people and to motivate them and to lift them. And um, I actually um, started to change some of the things up in my class. And some of the girls that come to my Zumba class um, said, Lori, we love you. We love what you do. Don't change a thing. You know, and so that made me feel really good. And it let me know, you know, you just have to believe in yourself and go for it and just keep moving forward. Keep learning. and again, just believe in yourself. I love it. I, I love it. This is so cool. And I think what, what, <laughs> what it makes me think of um, is, I'm sure you heard that saying that maybe it's not becoming something, but maybe it's unbecoming everything that you're not. And what I keep thinking as you were talking yeah. is that it's almost instead of looking at it as you molding yourself into something else it was more of you letting go of your fears and letting go of that weight maybe that you accumulated or letting go of those other things so you can get closer to yourself and closer to your core and become what it is that you always meant to be that that little voice that told you from the very beginning that you should be at the front of the class you know, I don't know. It's, it's absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, so often we don't move forward with something because we're afraid of what other people will say or what other people will think, 
or, well, everybody else is not doing this, or, you know, what will people think? And the bottom line is, you know what, if your heart is telling you to do it, it doesn't matter what other people think or what anybody's going to say. You have to follow your heart if you're going to be truly happy. And what makes me happy is doing Zumba and doing step aerobics and lifting weights. And, you know, just, I love, um, you know, they say, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Yes. And uh, I love getting up in the morning and meeting people at the gym at six o'clock in the morning and encouraging them, you know, to feel better about themselves and to get stronger and to know that they can make positive changes in their lives and to know, you know, just little by little, you don't have to do it all at once. You know, you can do this and that it's hard for everybody. You know, I tell them, yeah, I'm a fitness trainer and sometimes it's hard for me to, to do a workout. You know, some days you're just not feeling it. You know, there's some days I'm just not feeling the broccoli for lunch either. But, you know, we're doing the broccoli because that's what's going to, that's what's healthy. You know, I love broccoli, but some days it's just like, uh, okay. You know, you just have those days that you're just not feeling, everybody feels that way. And I think it's going to be, you know, my husband said, you know, it's just going to be that way for the rest of our lives. I mean, it's just, we're here to learn and to grow and to keep pushing forward. And life is hard for everybody in different ways. And so it's just to let people know that you're not alone. It's hard for everybody. You know what? Sometimes I eat a cookie or sometimes I eat dairy-free Ben and Jerry's. You know, (laughs) I don't eat dairy (laughs) products, but sometimes I eat sugar. And that's, you know, we all have these weaknesses. We're, we're, but as long as we're moving forward every day, you know, just trying to be better every day, you're not alone. So I love it. I, lo- I absolutely love your message and your passion and your love for, for what it is that you do definitely comes, for, comes through because every time, every time I see either, as I said, your posts and we, when you're teaching a class, you're like, you're on fire. You're so full of energy. Thank and you. It's definitely <laughs> I love it. Okay. Let's talk about nutrition now. So uh, again, the, where we met was the Peapod conference and it's a plant-based prevention of disease. Uh, conference which is uh, rooted in plant-based nutrition Um, so and I know uh, you shared your story and your family story about why you uh, how you found found this lifestyle and why why you're so passionate about it with me but would you mind sharing it uh, on the podcast as well sure Um, well a few years ago um, I love reading and I'm always asking people what are you reading And I still do that today. I have a goal this year to read at least one book a week. And um, so I I love to read. And I don't even remember how I came across it. But I came across Dr. T. Colin Campbell's book, The China Study. And it seriously changed my life. Um, Because I am a person that I don't take anybody's word for anything. I want to do the research myself. I want to see the proof. And for him to lay out the proof, you know, of all the studies that they did and, you know, and I continue to read different studies and to listen to different doctors and what they have to say about nutrition and how it affects health and, and longevity. But, um, so I did read that a few years ago and I decided to be whole foods plant-based. Um, but at the time I did it for a few months and then I got to thinking about, Oh gosh, all the things that I was never going to have again. Instead of thinking about all the things I could have, 
I started thinking about all the things that I couldn't have. And so I kind of fell off the wagon. But then, well, and at the time, you know, I knew that my nutrition had to change because as a trainer, I was eating the standard, you know, what bodybuilders would eat. You know, you eat the six small meals a day and you eat the portion of carbs, portion of proteins, and you have your protein shake. And the protein would be, you know, fish or chicken or whatever, you know. And so I'm eating plenty of fruits and veggies and stuff, but I'm eating the meat and the fat, the low-fat cheese and things, which you and I both know are not good for you, right. not good for the planet, not good for the animals. But at the time, I was just thinking about me. But, you know, and I know some people, and, and this is what I tell my clients, you know, don't judge your journey by someone else's journey because you can look at some people and they can just eat and drink whatever and they seem to be getting away with it they seem to look fine they seem to feel fine um but I was not one of those people you know I was eating that the six small meals a day and maybe a little treat here or there I never drank any alcohol you know um haven't had any of that in like over you know 20 something years because that's just you know not part of my lifestyle um, but the weight started creeping back up on me again, even though I was, you know, probably working out at least two hours a day, six days a week, if not three or four hours, depending on my personal workouts and the classes I would teach. In fact, I taught so much that people would say, gosh, aren't you overdoing it? But, you know, I loved what I did. I wasn't, didn't have any injuries or anything like that, but I was suffering with chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. um, my joints just hurt all the time. And from the time I got from the, it took me to drive from the gym to home. I was so stiff that I would, I had developed a habit of just sitting in my car and scrolling Facebook because I dreaded getting out of the car because my joints were hurting so bad. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I had done the research and, you know, that a lot of people said, you know, I gave up dairy and my joints felt a lot better. And so I started doing that. And I also told my husband, you know what, I'm tired of being the trainer that looks like she needs a trainer because I had the muscle, but there was also this layer of fat over the muscle. And um, I knew that I just really needed to do a big overhaul with my diet. And um, when I did, well, we, we were going on our 25th anniversary trip to Costa Rica and I thought, well, this is the best time to do it. It was um, December 31st. And then by the middle of February, that following year, um, I had lost like 22 pounds had just melted away effortlessly. Wow. And I was, I was eating anything, you know, as far as whole foods, plant-based, I was eating anything I wanted. And um, I really went by the starch solution, Dr. McDougall, you know, people who are afraid mm -hmm. to eat potatoes, I tell them, you know, that's how I lost my weight. I was eating potatoes and broccoli and peas and salads and you know, oatmeal every day for breakfast. And I was not hungry. I did not feel deprived. And um, I took that weight off and it stayed off. And everybody was like, what the heck are you doing? You know, <laughs> but most people, if it had been some crazy exercise regimen, they would have been all over it. But when I told them it's a whole food plant-based diet, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. Um, but there were some people, I started doing a um, nutrition class at the gym every month to teach people about whole foods plant-based nutrition and several people did convert to this way of eating and wow. they feel a lot better you know they've lost weight but my husband also um, even before we went whole foods plant-based just changing our diet um, just getting off of the processed foods my husband um, 
was he had high cholesterol, high blood pressure, high blood sugar. He was on insulin. He was on diabetes medication. He was on several different meds. And um, he lost over 100 pounds and was able to get off all his medications. And um, people ask me, um, your husband was overweight, but you're a trainer. And I said, yeah, but I'm not his trainer. So that would be nagging. And uh, But he converted to this lifestyle because I would always watch the videos, the documentaries in the other room. And he got to hear everything. And he's a smart man. He, you know, it made, it all made sense to him. And I, I'm trying to think if it was 2016. I think it was his birthday in 2016 in August. And I said, "Hun, I'll just go to Publix and get you a birthday cake. I, you know, I'm not going to force, you know, a vegan cake on you. And we had just gotten a cookbook by Chloe Coscarelli, her vegan desserts. And she actually won Cupcake Wars on Food Network. And uh, he says, no. If you're going to do this, I'm going to do this. We're in this together. And uh, so that's what he had for his birthday. We did one of Chloe's vegan uh, cakes and everybody loved it. And, um, but you know, we don't do those sweet treats a lot because I have a bad sweet tooth and I have a tendency to go overboard. So I really have to stick to the whole foods plant-based or I just really fall off the wagon. But for a good treat, we do like Chloe's vegan desserts. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I'm not aware of the cookbook. I'm going to need to check it out. Yeah, it's awesome. That is really cool. And it's, I, what about your kids? Well, we do have, um, let's see, a couple of our daughters eat this way. We have a daughter, Casey, who's going to be 26. And um, she has decided that she wants to eat this way. And she has started doing that this year. And then our 15-year-old daughter, um, Peyton, we call her PJ. Um, PJ, and people ask me, now, do you make your teenage daughter eat this way? And I said, no. You know, if she wants to go through such and such a restaurant and get, you know, this, if she wants pizza or whatever, I said, no. I, you know, we have healthy food for her to eat. I said, but I don't force her, you know, to, you know, tell her that she can't have cheese and she can't have meat if she wants that. Mm -hmm. However, same thing is with her dad. Um, when she's in the car with me going to the gym, I'm always listening to a book. Like uh, recently, I just read the book by Dr. Pam Popper, Food Over Medicine. Highly recommend it. Read it twice with PJ in the car. Listen to it twice with PJ in the car. And um, she um, enjoys learning all these things. And so a few months ago, she decided that she wanted to get serious about fitness and about, um, nutrition. Um, just to kind of back up with, with my family, we'd never had any really serious health problems or anything like that. Um, or any weight problems. And up until like my forties, and after, you know, we lost our baby, I was one of those people that you didn't like that I could pretty much eat anything I wanted to and still look great. Um, mm -hmm. But then I got to a certain point that that wasn't true anymore. You know, it started catching up with me. And uh, but now my daughter, Peyton, she kind of took more after her dad's side of the family and they really struggle with obesity and with those metabolic disorders, you know, with high blood pressure and um, high blood sugar and things like that. And so PJ had started as a teenager to put on weight. She was never heavy as a, a child, but when she went through puberty, she had started putting on weight. Um, but again, you know, as a parent, you can't, you, 
you put the healthy food out there, but you can't say, no, you can't have that and, you know, take food away. And you just don't want to um, crush your child. You know what I mean? As far yeah. as harp on them about their weight or whatever. And all of my other children were in sports and PJ just didn't like sports. And she asked, and, and that's the way they had stayed healthy and, and kept their weight down. Um, except for my son. But anyway, he's another story. Um, <laughs> but I said, you don't have to do sports. She loves, you know, piano and she loves artistic things. Um, I said, but you do have to exercise every day. You do have to stay healthy. I don't, I won't make you play sports, but you do need to exercise. So she would go to the gym with her sisters or with me. Um, and so she was feeling better, but she just was not losing any weight. And, um, and she also had a really bad um, monthly cycle. And if you talk to, if you listen to um, Dr. Barnard and some of the other doctors, you know, they talk about how, you know, the animal proteins and the fats and things like that really affect our hormones. And it actually, you know, it absolutely can make you have a really rough monthly cycle. And I mean, she would have cramps so bad every month that she just wouldn't want to get out of bed. And that is when I would have to show tough love. And I'm like, sweetie, you know, life can't end just because it's that time. Um, but as soon as she started eating a whole foods plant-based diet, that went away. She no longer has cramps every month. I mean, it's just, it's like any other day. That's amazing. And, um, yeah. And on one of my YouTube videos, um, about my 15 bean soup, I actually made that comment that, you know, this is one of my daughter's favorite recipes because people ask me, do you make her eat this way? And no, but you know, kids are smart. If they know that they're having an issue with their health and they change the way that they eat and that makes them feel better and their health is better, they're not stupid. You know, they can put two and two together and that's what she did. And one of the, somebody made a rude comment below, does anybody feel, you know, sorry for her daughter or whatever? And I thought, well, no, because, you know, if you had ever had really bad pain like that, and then just eating a whole foods plant-based diet made that pain go away, you would be really happy for my daughter that I taught her that. But, <laughs> right. um, and she talks about it all the time now. And she has lost at this point about 20 pounds. And um, she had been exercising before. The weight did not start com start coming off until she changed her diet. And, you know, she eats oatmeal every morning with mom. She eats, you know, we eat broccoli throughout the day and salads and whole grains and peppers. You know, when people say, what do you eat? And I said, go to the produce aisle. You know, go look at the rice. Go look at the beans and lentils. I said, what can I not eat? I said, I probably have a more varied diet than you do. In fact, I know that my diet at this point is more varied than it ever was on the standard American diet. I eat, in fact, my husband and I, I think that was part of the reason too that I fell off the wagon when I first read the China study after a few months was that, first of all, I was thinking all the things that I couldn't have. Second of all, I did not put enough variety in my diet. I did not open my mind enough. And I think that's where a lot of people um, are not able to stay on a whole foods plant-based diet because um, they're so limited in their thinking. And my husband and I made a commitment that year that we're going to be open to trying anything, no matter what it looks like, we're going to try it. And we actually signed up for some vegan delivery, you know, food services just to kind of get ideas of different kinds of food and different ways to, to fix it. Because, you know, we were just so, plain in the kind of foods that we ate 
that we wanted some different ideas and um, that really opened up our world. And it, the funny thing is some of the things that I've looked at and thought, there's no way I'm going to like that. I end up loving that food. <laughs> and so, like I said, I had a person in my class and she said, Oh, I would like to take off the weight like you did. And, and look like you, but oh, I don't want to eat that crap you eat. And I thought, what do you think I eat? <laughs> I eat such good food. Um, but you know, also the other thing that really kept me going on this is because I started out, and you'll love this, I started out in the beginning, it was just about me and my health. And when you just do something for yourself, sometimes it's easy to turn back to your old ways. But when you've got a purpose greater than yourself, so, you know, when you're watching videos on YouTube, we've all done it and you see all the ones that pop up, you know, to they, they, they suggest, mm -hmm. you know, since you've watched this video, we suggest this one. And so I'm watching these whole foods, plant-based or vegan videos or whatever. And then um, animal cruelty videos start popping up. And, and I, you know, I get my nerve up and I start watching them. And it's horrible to watch and it's disheartening and, you know, it it's, it's just cringe. But you have to make yourself watch them because you have to know that that's what's going on. And, oh gosh, I may start crying when I say this. Um, just because if you refuse to watch it doesn't mean it's not happening. You know, exactly. I tell people, I, I'll, I'll send them links and they'll say, I don't want to see that. You know, I said, well, just because you don't watch it doesn't mean it's not happening. And doesn't make it you go vote away. with your, it doesn't make it go away. And every time we eat, we're voting with our fork. You know, if you're rolling through and you're getting your chicken sandwich or your burger, you know, there's an animal behind that. And you need to, you need to be aware of that. And so really that's what stopped me from cruising through Zaxby's to get the chicken fingers. You know, that's what kept me because I mean, I knew Whole Foods plant-based was better for me. But sometimes I would go back and I would get some of these things. But then when I watch those videos, it's like, I'm saying that it's okay. If, if I go and I eat these foods, I'm saying that it's okay that that animal is treated that way. And in my heart of hearts, that's not what I believe. It's not okay for them to be treated that way. And I'm not going to be part of that. And so it was actually thinking about the animals that made me stay on target. And it was the same way for my daughter, PJ. And um, yeah. so that's, it's, it's the love for the animals that, that kept us, you know, nobody wants to see that going on. Yeah, so, and, and to think that, you know, we're subsidized, we're paying for that and saying that it's okay. And it's not okay. Yeah, and this is really one of the one of the thoughts that that made me motivate me to start the podcast too. Because if you ask a person if they want to be cruel to animals, I mean, ninety nine percent of people are going to say no. People know in the depth of their hearts that they do not want to be mean or cruel to animals. But then it's just people just don't put that together, or they or they refuse to, or they excuse themselves out of, of doing so, or they I mean there's this cognitive dissonance that happens because yes. yeah. So yeah, I definitely I can Well so it's like they separate that um especially in different countries, you know, it's okay to eat different types of animals. So like here in America 
you know, nobody would ever think of eating dog or cat, which they would in other countries. And yeah. so people would tell you, well, you know, chickens and cows were put here for us to eat. And okay, well, maybe you think that's true, but is it okay to be cruel to them? Do you know how they're treated? Do you know how they're raised? Um, and I, I truly and honestly believe in my heart of hearts that everything we do and everything that we are, there is an energy in that. And, you know, when those poor animals are going to slaughter, they feel the fear in the air. They know what's going to happen to them. And there's, there are these stress hormones that are released in them and, and we're consuming that, you know, and, and buying into, you know, an industry that says that that's okay, you know, to be cruel to animals and to treat, and to, for them to say they're humanely slaughtered, you know, the, the way that these animals are raised is, is not humane and the way that they're slaughtered is not humane. Look at some of the hidden camera videos. It's not humane. And to say that that's okay, would you ever do that to, you know, fluffy your cat, you know, or spot your dog? No, they would never in a million years think of treating their cat or their dog the way that some of these pigs and chickens and cows are treated. Um, but again, it's like, you know, put your hands over your eyes and your fingers in your ears. And it's like, it's, it doesn't happen, but just because you ignore it or refuse to admit it doesn't mean it's not happening. Yeah. And it just, it, it breaks my heart to think that, that that's happening. And so I, I can't, I can't be a part of that. I agree. Yeah. I'm on the same page with you. That And it definitely, I mean, some people say, oh, that's just a dietary choice. And for me, it is absolutely not just a dietary choice. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle choice. I, I feel, and I, for me, it affects me on so many different levels. Yes, it is health, but it's also ethics. It's, it is also spirituality. It is also just, just being a responsible citizen of the earth. Right. And yeah, it's a, it's a physical thing for our physical health. But yeah, you're absolutely right when you said the spiritual part of it, because it has a deep spiritual impact, not just on us, but on our planet. We are all connected. Whether you realize it or not, we are. You know, I can tell you, you know, that the, the leaves on that tree is green and you can argue with me all day long, but it doesn't change the fact that those leaves are green. You know, and that's what we have all the time. People saying that, you know, that doesn't matter and it still matters, you know, and you can't be a part of that system and not have it affect you and your family. And, you know, you pointed out in the beginning of the podcast how it affects our planet and whether you believe in global warming or not, we still have a responsibility to leave this planet as you know, in as good a shape as we can, you know, and to do the best we can. Um, we are stewards of this planet and it's so important for us to take good care of it. And with all the, the livestock and all that, it, we're not taking very good care of our natural resources. And it's just, it's going to affect us. It's going to affect our children and our children's children. And we have to wake up and see that. Yeah, but being being kind of sheltered from seeing the immediate consequences of all the contamination and all of the waste that comes out of it uh, is, I think, definitely blinds a lot, the, a big chunk of the population uh, from, you know, making making the connection between the 
the, the livestock um, effects and between its effects on the planet. Right. I think if you don't live near one of these places where there's, you know, runoff from the, the animal waste and, you know, you're not affected by that, it's really easy to not think about it. And um, but when you watch some of the documentaries about how a lot of these are in the lower socioeconomic areas and how they are developing health problems because of the sewage from from these animals and the runoff in the water and things like that. And again, that's affecting human lives. Are you saying that their lives are not important? Um, last year I did. For the month of November, I did the ABCs of gratitude. And so every day, depending on the letter of the alphabet I was on, I would name a few things that I was grateful for that started with that letter of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. And I, it just crushed me. I, I'm two days in. I'm at the letter B. And what do you think the number one thing that people said they were most grateful for that started with B? No. <laughs> yep. Bacon, and I thought, if you guys only knew what you were eating and what they were doing to those pigs, and just how dirty they are, you know, um, it well, wouldn't well, be your favorite. Yes. <laughs> well, on the good note, I do believe that it's getting better, and I truly believe with all the uh, with, with, with the change and the momentum that this movement and lifestyle is gaining, and the with the you know, with millennials and the uh, younger population, so much more passionate. I just really am. Have, I just have so much hope with this, with people really waking up to to the truth and to making the right decisions for themselves and their the future generations. I think so too. I've gotten several messages lately um, from friends and family members. You know, can you tell me where to get started? And um, just what do I read? What do I watch? And what do you think about this? And so I do, you know, have a lot of hope and, you know, you can see there are a lot of businesses that are changing over that they're kind of seeing the writing on the wall that um, plant-based is, is turning into a big movement. And so we're starting to see more and more products out there that are plant-based that people, especially in the transition, um, I do more whole foods, plant-based diet, you know, it can be considered vegan. Um, some, you know, there are some vegans who still do a lot of processed foods, but you know, a lot of those processed foods really that are the vegan foods help people as they transition, mm-hmm. you know, from a, a meat and cheese eating diet. And so you're seeing more and more of those products that people can kind of go to, to kind of substitute for the meats or the cheeses or whatever the animal based. So that is very comforting that we can go and get more quality products now that actually taste good instead of you're like, hmm, I'm pretending this tastes like whatever <laughs> it's supposed to taste like, you know? Yeah. So that, that is very encouraging. Yeah. So. But I also think it depends on people's motivations, right? Because like, I think everybody comes to this uh, through their own door. Some people come through the, to yep. this because they, they're motivated by health, but then some, some others, they don't care about health. Maybe they just want to save the animals or the environment. Absolutely. And I, think, I, and I think that's okay. As long as people are clear 
on their on their driver i think that's fine and then after some time maybe the rest of the the message hits as well so maybe somebody like yep. i came into this through the health door first but then after i learned everything about the animals and the environment it was a no-brainer for me so it's like a perfect medium for me now but then i know some other people who don't necessarily care about the health implication they just enjoy the whatever the, the tasty foods with the substitutes and as as long as it doesn't hurt any other animals they're happy and i think that that's fine as well as long as people are very clear and intentional on what it is they're doing and and taking into consideration the consequences that their action have on on their lives i i think you know whatever it, it works if it works it works absolutely i think we have to be willing to you have to meet people where they are because, you yeah. know, we, we all have our, our struggles. Certain things are easier for us and other things are more difficult and we just can't stand in judgment of that. You just have to do the best you can. When you know the truth, you have to shine a light on that truth and be an example of that truth and um, help to teach people where you can and, you know, and when they're ready, like I tell my clients, you're, you, you, when they're ready, they'll do it. And you're not going to be perfect. You know, we're going to have those days that we fall off the wagon or, you know, you're not going to be perfect. It's just, it's a learning experience. And like you said, you have to be clear with your intention. And I was the same as you. I, I did it for my own health, but what really made me, you know, I kept kind of backsliding here and there, but what made it that I wouldn't backslide anymore was really learning what was going on with the animals. And I thought, Oh gosh, I, I can't backslide anymore. It doesn't matter. You know, if I backslide and I eat, you know, a vegan snack that's got a ton of sugar in it, that's not good for me, but I'm not hurting animals doing that. Right. You know, if I'm, but if I go back to the animal based foods, that not only is hurting me, that's hurting animals too. And that's just unacceptable. You know, if I'm going to do that to myself, fine, but it's not fair for me to, to hurt you know an animal that can't help itself so well actually yeah, like you said it's a no-brainer <laughs> <laughs> no I agree with you so I want to go back to that something that you mentioned earlier that um, your some of the friends and family reach out to you and they say so where do where do I start so I think it may be a good question so if some of the listeners are wondering right now and they're kind of on the edge and they're they're not sure, but they're vegan or plant-based, whole food plant-based curious, and they, they, they want to learn more, maybe try it. Uh, what would you say? What are some of the maybe main resources or main motivation uh, points and nuggets that you would, you would tell them or suggest to them in order to motivate themselves and to help them make the leap? Um, what I usually do is I uh, tell people – I give them some of the books that I've read and I tell them the doctors that I listen to on YouTube, the website. Um, I really like Dr. Neil Barnard. I like to watch his lectures on YouTube and he, his, he's the president of the physicians committee for responsible medicine. So PCRM.org is a great place to go. They have a 21 day jump start, and yes. they send you, yeah, they, they send all kind of helpful videos and recipes and things like that to help you get started. A lot of educational material there to kind of show you, because I'm the type of person that, you know, you want to eat right and you want to be healthy, but I think all of us, to keep us from backfighting, especially something that is brand new, 
you, you need the repetition. You need to be told again and again to be reminded, you know, wait, tell me again why I'm not eating that and I'm eating this <laughs> instead. And uh, it helps to know. I like to know what these different foods are doing for my body. Dr. Um, John McDougall, drmcdougall.com is uh, a great doctor and uh, he wrote uh, the start solution and the, he has a lot he also has many uh, videos on YouTube that I like to watch and he can get quite sassy and I like him because <laughs> he, just, he does. you know he is, I love him too. he's all in I just I really like his passion and his energy um, his wife Mary has a ton of great recipes and they're just such a cute team together to and uh, she's come up with a lot of um, oil-free low-fat vegan recipes um, so he has more books other than that but the start solution is really what um, got me going in the first place after reading the China study mm-hmm. um, Dr. Um, Caldwell B. Esselstyn I love his TED talk about heart disease and he explains how you can totally reverse heart disease with a whole foods plant-based diet and um you know he and dr t colin campbell both in their early 80s but still a very vibrant man you know traveling the world giving lectures and teaching people about this way of life and, and you know they're proof positive. yeah and they're proof positive that living this way you know people think that you just have that it's natural just to get old and fat and and degenerate and be of no use to do anything but sit in a recliner in a corner or whatever. These guys are anything but that, you know, they are vibrant and healthy and just still, you know, changing the world because with their passion and they're, they're teaching people. So I, I really love them. Um, Dr. Joel Furman, I really like his, his videos as well. But the thing I really like about Dr. Furman is that he will tell you all the different parts of the food things that these foods contain and this is what it will do for your body and it's really exciting to know you know what onions do for your body what mushrooms do for your body so it's kind of exciting to know whatever's in your bowl and it's doing all this awesome stuff for your body so dr joel Furman is uh, really good at that dr pam popper has a really good um youtube channel and she goes through all the research Um, And she debunks a lot of the myths, a lot of the things that people think that they should be doing, basically things, you know, studies that were funded by industry or whatever, and uh, that get all the attention in the media. And then she'll go and she'll break the study apart and she'll tell you why, you know, this study was not good and this about the design of the study or are other studies that are better that say, you know, what is good and what's not good for you. So she's just... Um, really good about making, helping people to make informed choices about their medical care and about their diet. So I really like Dr. Pam Popper a lot too. That's awesome. I'll um, make sure to include all of those links in the show notes for listeners. Yeah. And like I said, her latest book is uh, Food Over Medicine. I think she's got another one coming out pretty soon about diet. So um, be looking for that on Amazon trying to think of some other doctors. There are just so many that I like to watch. That, no, that's, um, that's great. That's great. So tell us, <laughs> tell us, um, what about, uh, how, what, what does your daily, uh, intake of food look like? And also as you go through that, could you bust the myth for us about, uh, whole food, plant-based food being too expensive, especially for a big family? 
Um, you know, my food is, our food bill is not any more than it was before. It probably is less. The only time I spend more money is when I am testing out a lot of recipes because I demonstrate recipes on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a personal trainer, or a group fitness instructor, but all my videos on my YouTube channel are about food and not <laughs> exercise because there are plenty of, there are plenty of trainers out there doing all these crazy workouts. If you want to do a workout with me, come to the gym and you can do a workout with me. But, you know, I am stressing the importance of nutrition is king. You know, that is more important. And fitness is important. The gym is important, but what you do in the kitchen is even more important. But so every single day I have a bowl of oatmeal in the morning and I have a video that shows uh, oatmeal five ways in five days. There's five different ways to have oatmeal, but my all time favorite way to have it is um, I actually bake sweet potatoes and I'll cut a sweet potato in half and I'll mix it in with my steel cut oats. And I have it with raisins and walnuts and with cinnamon and cloves. And that's pretty much every day that I have that for breakfast. That sounds um, amazing. Do you cook the steel cut oats in advance? Yeah, what I do with my steel cut oats is I do meal prep for the entire week. And so I'll cook seven days worth of steel cut oats and I'll put them in little containers. And then I'll bake my, my sweet potatoes and I'll you know chop them in half and put them in there with the steel cut oats. So that each morning, all I have to do is just warm it up because usually I'm at the gym by 6 a.m. So I grab my oats and I go ahead and I chop up my nuts and my raisins and I put them in a little baggie. So I'll train somebody from 6 to 7 and I may have a session at 7.30 or 8. I'll eat my, you know, I'll warm up my oatmeal at the gym in the microwave and I'll eat in between clients. Um, And then, you know, I'll have a snack after you know, in the mid morning, you know, several pieces of fruit, um, some hummus and vegetables or something like that. Um, for lunch, I I do meal prep and I try to do a big salad every day. Um, it's not uncommon and I know this sounds crazy, but, uh, Dr. Furman talks about how good cruciferous vegetables are for you. And they have something in them that actually helps, um, cut off the blood supply to, to fat cells and also to tumor cells and um and I actually watched this to my husband when he lost you know 100 pounds he was eating like a big half plate of broccoli every single day and I started noticing I mean his stomach was just shrinking like crazy and I read Dr. Furman's book after that and I thought oh I've actually seen that in action because my husband would eat the broccoli and boy did his stomach shrink so (laughs) sometimes I'll sometimes before I'll leave for the gym at about 5 20 in the morning but I'll usually eat eat a big serving of broccoli on the way to the gym so that I've already have a little something in my system before I train. And then I'll have my breakfast at about, you know, 7.15, 7.30. But then I'll have broccoli with my lunch with a salad. And sometimes it'll be a baked potato, lentil soup, any kind of beans. I like black beans and mixed beans, um, white beans. We do a lot of lentil soup at our house. Um, and I do like sweet treats, so I'll make, um, chocolate and ice cream popsicles. So it's just cocoa and almond milk and frozen bananas made into popsicles. So that's my dessert. Yeah. And I have a plant-based, um, protein smoothie that I like, and I'll have that in the middle of the afternoon because usually I teach a 4.30 or a 5.30 class 
And if I, you know, after I eat lunch, 12, 31 o'clock, if I don't have, you know, a protein shake or something um, before I teach, I just won't make it through the rest of the day, especially like on Tuesdays, I teach a Zumba class at 530 and then a yoga class at 645. So I have to have a snack in between there and um, then come home and eat. You know, I do a lot of veggie paninis. I, you know, people are shocked that I eat bread. Yes, I eat whole grain bread. I like Ezekiel bread. I don't have it every, you know, I don't have bread every day, but I, I'm not afraid to eat bread. I'm not afraid to eat rice. I'm not afraid to eat potatoes. You know, when it's real food, I tell people, you don't have to be afraid to eat real food. And I also, every day, and my, I have my 15-year-old daughter doing this now. We're always doing the rundown. Okay, what are the colors of the rainbow that I've had today? We try to make sure that we get fruits and vegetables from all the different colors of the rainbow. And so we're always counting that off every day. Okay, what have I had? What do I still need to have tonight? So I mean, I love it. you know, we're, we're having oranges and bananas and apples and grapes and blueberries. Every When I have my protein shake in the afternoon, you know, I throw a banana in it. I throw two big handfuls of smoothies and I throw a big handful of um, frozen blueberries in there. So, you know, I'm getting, um, three servings of fruits and veggies right there, not to mention whatever's in the plant-based protein shake, you know, itself, the powder. So. That is really cool. Do you, what, what are your thoughts on inter intermittent fasting? You know, that is very interesting because I did just read Dr. Walter Longo's book about intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, um, I have actually done that a little bit, and, you know, I think it's a very interesting subject, and I just think it's worth watching and trying, and I do actually, and I have for over 20 years, I do fast once a month, and it's just part of my re religious practice, and for one Sunday every month, um, we, we fast for 24 hours, and what money we would have spent on food, we donate that to the poor, and, um, but it's, it's just funny that it's, a real, you know, most religions have some sort of fasting that's involved. Right. And uh, to, to me, you know, when we talk about the physical and the spiritual, I mean, I always tell people in my yoga class, mind, body, spirit, it's all interconnected. Again, whether you think it is or not, it is. And uh, what affects one affects the other. And, you know, when we do it for spiritual purposes, we do it because we... Usually it makes us um, a little more quiet, a little more humble, a little more open to teaching as, as we're fasting and, and you're focusing on prayer. And usually we, we are encouraged to think about something that we, um, maybe that we need spiritual answers for while we're fasting, you know. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, we've been instructed to do that spiritually. And if you think that a higher power has instructed us to do that, that obviously it has spiritual impact, but it's having a physical impact too. I don't have any doubt that it's doing, you know, all the things that research is saying that it's doing, you know, and really helping our bodies to, to cleanse and um, make us be healthier and live longer. So, you know, I don't know yeah. that I would want to, uh, I've never I haven't tried like just eating within an eight hour window or a six hour window or anything like that, but I have done, you know, like, like I said, once a month fasting and I have done, um, a little bit longer fast, but I haven't done it to the intensity that Dr. Longo talks about. So, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, it also I think seems, it's like I said, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, but it also seems like, I mean, a standard American diet is so, so, so far away on the other side of the spectrum that I think yes. that what you're doing may be just very close to the balanced way. And if the bottom line, if that works for you, if that, if that has been obvious, has proven to work for you for a long period of time, then maybe there's not a necessity for you to, to, to trick it even more, you know? Right. And, you know, I think that if you're already eating so clean, um, you know, not eating a lot of oils. I mean, some people eat whole foods, plant-based, don't eat any oils at all. I still have a little bit every now and then. Um, but there's just not a whole lot more that, you know, a lot better that you can get. With some people, they're already eating so well. that And plus, one of the things he says, too, is to... Uh, and this goes right along with the way that we eat. He says, um, eat more, but eat less. And he means eat more quantity, but eat less calories. So that's basically mm -hmm. the way that we eat. Because when, when you're eating, you know, more uh, vegetables and, and salads and things like that, I mean, it takes a lot of that to get in your the amount of calories that you need every day. You know, if you're eating off of you know, greens and vegetables and things like that. If that's what you're living off of, trying to get 2,000, 2,500 calories a day, if you work out a lot, it takes a lot of plants to get that many calories. And so that's one of the things that Dr. Longo talks about too. He says, eat more, but less calories. So you're going to have to eat the food that is lighter in calories, but more um, nutrient dense. And that's what we're already doing on a whole food plant-based diet. So, you know, I, he really promotes like the Mediterranean diet, um, which the way most people do it in America is not truly the Mediterranean diet at all. <laughs> but <laughs> again, that's, that's another story. They eat the standard American diet and add, uh, add olive oil and wine and think they're eating the Mediterranean diet, which <laughs> is not the Mediterranean diet at all. Um, that's but, true. You know, they're living off of, yeah, they're eating so many so much more plant food than you know the standard American diet contains. So, okay. Um, I just have a few more last questions. I know I've been taking your whole evening, but just a few more questions. Uh, so, if you, somebody comes to you and they're like, "Well, I have no idea about whole food, plant-based, or vegan. None of that makes sense to me. I don't know how to cook. What is what is the simplest meal that I can make? What would you tell them?" My favorite beans. <laughs> I love beans and I love the instant pot. There's so many different varieties of beans that you can have rice and beans. And, you know, you can put tomatoes in it and tomato sauce and have a good a rice and bean recipe. But, you know, beans, peas and lentils, you know, are so healthy and so filling. And going back to what you said about the budget, they're so easy on the budget. They are. So, you know, something that I'm like, I that I eat oatmeal every day, but I eat some kind of beans, peas, or lentils every single day. Um, and a lot of people tell me, oh, I can't handle the texture of that. I, you know, I just encourage them, try a little bit at the time. Kind of do like you did, you know, when your kids and, and your mom served something and you kind of scrunched up your nose at it and you said you didn't want it. And what did your mom say? Well, eat just a little bit. Try just a little bit of it. And that's what I tell people. Just, um, I think it's, Dr. Milton Mills that um, I love him. when he gives 
I love him when he gives his lectures. He he says, you didn't come out of your mama craving fried chicken. And you didn't. You know, there's some things that you're not, that the foods that are healthier, you're not going to love them when you first start. And also, when you're used to having a food, a diet that is heavy on oil, sugars, and salt, and all these processed ingredients, whole natural foods are, are going to seem pretty bland to you at first. It's going to take a while to reset your taste buds and to reset your brain to accept these foods because you are, you know, th this food that is just way too saturated with all these processed ingredients and it, it gives your brain stimulation too. And so I tell people it's going to take a while before you start, Oh my gosh, I love this food. I mean, I, I never liked broccoli a whole lot before. I mean, I was always someone who loves beans, but I would never eat sweet potatoes ever. And I honestly, it's the craziest thing in the world. I was in the grocery store and I'm trying to think of ways to spice up my oatmeal because my first, way to have it I would always because I didn't want to put sugar in I don't I didn't want added sugar but Dr. McDougall says if that's if you have to have a little sugar in your oatmeal to make it palatable go for it right um, yeah. but I didn't want to do that so I started chopping up apples but I wanted something different and honestly it's you know we talk about that little voice that that talked to me about you should be teaching this exercise class why aren't you teaching this class same thing with a lot of the recipes that I come up with. It's like this little voice in my head says, well, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try that? So maybe I'm a little bit crazy because I'm hearing these little voices. But, <laughs> well, it's but, always I mean, that's how, so maybe it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I came up with, you know, but try sweet potatoes. And I'm like, oh, I don't like sweet potatoes. And um, the first time I tried it the way I did it, I didn't like it. And then like a few couple months later it's like I had the idea to do it in a different way and um, so a lot of the foods that I eat now and I just tell people to be open-minded um, there is a scripture in the Bible and I don't even know where it's where it's from but it says something like when I was a child I spake as a child but when I was a man when I became a man I put away childish things but you know so often we don't do that we we expect us, and I know you're not a parent yet, but you will be one day. We expect our children when we put food in front of them, you know, you got to try everything, blah, blah, blah. But when we get to be adults, if there's something that we haven't tried or we don't think is good, we act like children. No, that doesn't look good. I don't want to try it. And and I tell people, look, I'm not telling you you're childish, but you're childish because, you know, you're, you're turning up your nose at something and you haven't even tried it yet. You haven't been willing open and willing to do something and we, you know we're talking about your life here your health and that's why my husband and I decided that we were just going to be open um and today my daughter and I we're we're actually on vacation at, at Pensacola Beach and we're driving back from the beach and she saw this little organic food restaurant she said hey mom you know what do you think that is and so we pulled in and uh, they had a, we had a great panini there and we had some um red lentil doll, which I had never had before. And it was just really good. Now, five years ago, I never would have had either one of those things. <laughs> and, but I vowed that, you know, because it's a 50, 50 chance, right? When you go to try something new, you may like it, you may not. If you don't like it, fine, just chalk it up to experience. But if you like it, hey, there's more variety in your diet now. 
you know. So we have to just put away our childishness and be willing to, to try new things. But, yeah, my go-to is always oatmeal and beans. <laughs> I love it. That's simple enough. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, uh, so the question that I usually close it out with is, um, since the name of my podcast is Follow Your Kind, I ask people what does kindness mean to them and how they get to follow it in their daily life. Would you expand on that for yourself? Hmm. Kindness to me is um, loving people for who they are and meeting them where they are. And, um, you know, I believe that all of us are children of God and that we are all here for a special purpose. We're all connected. and it's so important for us to lift one another because when I lift you, I lift myself and I don't do it for that reason, but there's so many uh, people struggling. Everybody's having a struggle. And so just to see people to try every day, you know, I have certain things that I do every morning to help remind myself. I have certain scriptures that I read every day to remind myself what my purpose is and how I want to behave that day. And um, to try to see people as my Heavenly Father sees them. And that way I know that I will treat them the way that they should be treated. Um, and that's why I do what I do as well, because I know that, that other than being a wife and a mother, that's number one, that's the the biggest reason I was sent here. I, there's a quote that says, you know, uh, the greatest thing you do in this life may not be something that you do, but it might be someone that you raise. So it might be one of my children that does something far greater, has a far greater impact than anything that I could ever do. But I do know that after being a wife and a mother that I was sent here to love other people through fitness. And that is the way that I try to show my kindness every day is to, to help um, love and lift other people through fitness and through encouraging them to take better care of their bodies because that really is their temple. That's the temple of their spirit. And in order to, to be able to do what they know in their heart of hearts that, that God sent them here to do, they have to have a healthy body to do that. And I feel like that um, the biggest way that I can show kindness to the world is to be true to my calling and to love other people in my own very special way that God sent me here to love them. So that is so beautiful. Well, it definitely absolutely translates in everything that you Thank do, you. And you the light around you and all over you. <laughs> Thank you. And I feel your light and your sweet smile. Oh, thank you. I can, so I can feel it through the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that we met. I, I still laugh at this. It's so funny that we had to go a thousand miles away in order to meet each other. <laughs> and we're both from a Crazy, huh? <laughs> I love how things work, though. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Lori. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. We'll have to get together soon. Yeah, so be amazing. For more information, you can go to followyourkind.com or follow me on Instagram at kindchristina. Please also subscribe to the show and give me a good review. Thanks for stopping by.